Welcome to the Low Rates High Returns podcast where we'll uncover the timeless investment principles so you can escape the rat race, earn passive income and create lasting wealth. I'm Pete Wargent, investor and financial coach and I'm joined by Stephen Moriarty, private investor and the co-author of our new book, Low Rates High Returns. In each episode of this podcast, we talk about the crucial concepts around managing your own money, how to invest, when to invest and the key lessons we've learned along the way about generating passive income. The things we discuss in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice, and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Low Rates High Returns podcast with me, Pete Wargent. I'm here with Stephen Moriarty. Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about giving up the day job. How much is enough? So uh, let's start a little bit with personal journey. So uh, Steve, you've actually told us before about how you came to uh, when you were living in Japan and you were bringing up the kids and then subsequently got a lump of money or a clump of money, as you might say, in Brisbane, and then subsequently worked out how you could manage that over the three different timeframes. So my journey was a little bit different. So I was working as a chartered accountant. You wouldn't believe it today with my uh, ponytail, but I was uh, previously in one of the big four accounting firms. And I don't know, it's it's different. Some of my um, uh, peers actually really enjoyed that career and they've continued to do it right the way from age 21 to 45. And they're probably looking at doing another 20 years where... Whereas my head would just explode at that. Liver transplant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think I, I enjoyed the um, the training part of that. So it was three years of hard study to do the exams and all the rest of it. Uh, but the idea of doing it for the next 40 years, that, that just wasn't going <laughs> to be for me. Yeah, so I guess um, Heather and I, my wife, we had our heads together and it's like, right, don't want to be doing this for the next 40 years. So we, we put together a essentially a property plan. That was our escape plan if you like so we invested pretty heavily in London property and then Sydney property and my journey was I got to the point where I figured I had a high enough net worth where I thought well you know the worst case scenario we can sell down some assets go and live in sunny Lincolnshire and beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and that would be enough now I guess um you know, I was a relatively young uh, person, finished my last full-time job when I was 33, but you know, I've never taken the view that you would just stop compounding your wealth there because potentially these yeah. days we might live to who knows how old. But that was my journey. So we went travelling for about 15 months or so, and then I went off and started my own business to do my own thing. Uh, so look, it's a different journey for everyone. In real estate, you never really get the income. It's very much about building the equity uh, so your journey, Steve, obviously different, and you're much more, I think, as the type seven freedom focused personality yeah, yeah. type, drawn towards uh, stocks and cash. Yeah, it's your, it it depends a lot on your personality type, and we you know we talked in a few weeks ago about property as an investment and stuff, and it's just too slow for me, and I don't mean slow in returns or you know. It's just slow as in excitement. Mm. There's right? nothing to do day well, to day yeah, you unless just... you like fixing bathrooms yeah, no and thanks. sinks. <laughs> <laughs> Get someone else to do that. I'm busy looking at stocks. Um, and that's why I, I like stocks. Stocks are the vehicle to give me the financial freedom for me to do what I want to do. So now I teach people, but that's what I like doing. And so it's funny because you sort of say, well, have you got a job? It's like, well, yeah, I've got a job, but not really because it's not really work in the traditional sense of saying, 
I've got to drag my backside off to an office, you know, and I've got to deal with people I don't like and, you know, this office politics. Well, and... it's not like you're reliant on the income from doing our programmes anyway, because yeah, yeah. Except for, for many years you weren't you weren't doing that. You were just literally managing your stock portfolio. Yeah, 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 so and it's not like, uh, and I think people would know me well enough over the years, people who've followed my stuff for the last 10 years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into a program with somebody else unless they were walking the talk. Yeah, I, th I, think that's an I think that's an important part. The thing, I suppose, for me is even if you're, you know, with the, and I think we talked about this in the last series about the FIRE crew, you know, the financial independence retire early. You know, that, I haven't got a problem with that, but you still got to do something. I mean, I'm probably the most, um, I was going to say lazy, but uh, what I mean is I hate commitments and, and, and obligations. And so even I used to basically get up, read for two hours, you know, play the guitar and do stuff, but it was still, you know, you can't just get up and go, I'll just do nothing because you can't do nothing. It's, you know, boring. You've got to do something, even if it's like an organised lunch with friends or, you know, something like that. And as I've sort of said before, 16 hours a day is a long time to do, you know, is to do nothing every single day of the week. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, actually. Somebody once uh, levelled that accusation at me saying that I was lazy uh, because I was working as a, uh, probably a, as a senior manager at, at Deloitte and, you know, to say my heart wasn't in it would be an understatement. But I've heard this phrase somewhere or other that people aren't inherently lazy or industrious. They just have impotent goals in many cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you would be hard pressed people to say to do that something I'm, that they don't like. Well, that's right. Especially that's like eating broccoli. Yeah, if you if you uh, well, that's right. And if you if you have to be in the office for sixty hours a week um, and you don't you want, want to be, to be there, for it. well, yeah. And it's um, but you know to say that I'm lazy. Well, you know I've written six books, six times published author. Yeah. You know, I've got a buyer's agency business. I do I do this podcast. I yep. do other people's podcasts. Do TV. I've got a tech startup. It's like you could hardly say that I'm lazy. I'm yeah. actually I'm highly motivated, but only to to work on stuff that I'm interested what I do. in. Yeah, yeah, and that's and, what uh, that's what the financial independence gives you in that sense. And so it's um, I mean it's it that's why I sort of you know when we talk to people in our program and say we'll develop we'll help you develop an investment strategy for you, right? Because if I said to people, look, here's the strategy, go and do this. That doesn't mean it, you know, because some people, as I said, and we've said before, some people go, no, no, no. Yeah. Money's important, but I still want to keep working. Whereas I look at it and go, yeah, yeah money's important. No bugger working. <laughs> I want to do whatever I want to do. So it's different according to each of the personality types. What I've found is the surprising part is when you actually go, geez, now what am I actually going to do? So, you know, financial independence is only half the equation. It's a good half, but what I mean is it's, you know, once you get enough money to do what you want to do, you actually, it becomes fairly sort of philosophical because you've got to say, well, actually, yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah, so that's in, indeed the model that we use, the four Fs, fun, fitness, finance, Yeah, 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 philosophy. absolutely. Um, yep. So uh, philosophy with an F, though, not with a, a PH. There but, you uh, go. I'm getting, I'm getting through to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, so the, the finance only being one quadrant of yeah, the, yeah. the whole. Because absolutely, yes, it's important, and it's always nice to have more than enough instead of not enough. But it's still got uh, 24 still hours in stuff. a day. So and yeah, yeah, I think as you mentioned there, so the the nine different personality types. So mm. the type three, the the achievement or goals focused personality type. 
And to that to that personality type, the idea of retirement is often a, a little bit scary because yeah, yeah. your identity becomes related to what you do for a living. So you become known as a CEO or a business owner. That that becomes part of who you are. Yep. And then the idea of retirement's a bit like, well, you're taking away part of that person's identity. Well, yeah, especially if you, you know, like especially if you're a CEO where, like you say, you've been working 60 hours a week and then somebody says, here's your big fat package and you can go and do what you want. It's like, well, I've only known, you know, accounting or stocks or, you know, whatever company you've been running for 20 or 30 years. So that's all I, you know, that's where you've put all your energy. And it's, 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 does show, I, I, I think personally, it does show the value of having someone who's done it or is doing it to be able to say, listen, watch out for these bits here. And, you know, you'll think you're doing all right and then you've got X coming along. Because again, often you don't know what is enough. That's why we've got the three wells, because the idea is to have so much that you don't need to worry about not having enough. And I mean, I don't want that to sound greedy, but it's simply saying there's a lot of value in not having to worry about money. You can say, oh, I'd like to do, you know, a mate of mine's getting a pilot's license, you know, oh, that must cost a bit. Doesn't matter. He's got the money, you know, so that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's different to saying, oh, you know, I've got enough if I, you know, shop at the really cheap places and, you know, buy cheap pizza. Okay, that might suit some people, but for most of us, it'd be. It's. I've always thought myself, it's nice if I can say I can spend money and not have a constraint, right? and not go. Oh, I better think about that because I've got other bills. Yeah, and it's not about wasting money. It's simply say, well, you know, if you decide you want to take the kids out for a pizza, you don't have to worry about yeah. is this going to cost me fifty or seventy dollars. Who wants to drink Maxwell House coffee? I mean, Jesus, that come stuff on. still exists. Oh <laughs> You've got to live, people. You've got to live. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, but it's. Uh, I think that's true. You know, I I really do. Even if you're a skin flint or you're prudent, call it what you want. <laughs> you're a skin prudent. Flint. I think is the polite um, phrase. You're a tight right? ass. But yeah. the reality is, you know, it's much easier to say you can do what you want because you don't have to worry about the money. Yeah, I think spending patterns do change through life. So I think Absolutely. at the moment, yeah. I, I must, <laughs> I'm hoping that I'm at some kind of a peak <laughs> at the moment because it's out of control. But uh, because uh, obviously. You know, I've got two kids. You know, <laughs> Why do your kids grow up? Yeah, mate? <laughs> the, the, yeah and they've, the school fees are Back looming to work and for so you, on. Buddy. I think um, I look at um, you know because uh, you often people say that you begin to reflect your parents as you get older, and I, I look at my oh, dad's. Oh God, um, please no! <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping not. I'm sure dad's not Dad listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry, dad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think um, my dad's case in point, sorry, as we've kids. previously talked about. Um, so back in those days, defined benefit pension scheme. So yeah, when my yeah. dad got to 65. You didn't really have the income was kind of you got like half of your salary for the rest of yeah. your life so you had the income is kind of down pat uh, but then this is where the 4f's model came in because for the first year you know he was on his own and he, he got himself a flat and you know you have decorated the flat okay now what you know and yep. within a year he was sort of he was he started visiting um, people on life sentences in right. prison on a volunteer basis just because it was like, well, as you said, he, his, what he had been doing for the past 40 years was yeah. building a career. To a certain extent, your, your career also becomes a part of your social circle as well. Uh, so this is where some advanced planning can help. Uh, so eventually my, my dad got remarried, bought a place, and he now keeps himself busy doing other stuff. Yeah, the 4Fs model is really about 
preempting some of those issues before you transition into retirement because you will have a void to fill if you're no longer working. Yep. You look, you look, and this is the, the important part about the philosophy when I was, you know, cogitating about it on my long walks. The, the idea is you think the, the more money you've got, the better you feel about yourself, right? Because you've got security. You've got, you know, you've got 99% of bases covered, right? If you look at the other F with his fitness and you've got reasonable health, okay, you've got that covered, right? And so what I found with those two alone was once you do that, you become much more outwardly oriented. And what I mean by that is exactly what your father did, where he said, I'll actually go and give back to the community. You notice all the, all you know, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, you know, Zuckerberg, all of those people. Once you become so rich that money's not an issue, you, you naturally start to look at your legacy on a personal level. What do you want to be known for? But the second part is the, th- the natural philanthropy kicks in. And, and I don't say all of us, but a lot of people say, I get a good feeling from doing things for people. Oh, okay. Well, if I've got enough money, then, you know, I might go and, you know, help the homeless or, you know, um, help at St. Vincent de Paul or like your dad, I'll go and help prisoners and stuff. So it's a really important part because the reason why I, I, I'm always optimistic about people is you gotta you got to secure them first to then say, what's Pete Wargent really like? Well, he's a bloody lot different if he's starving and he's got three kids and he's got to work every day to the Pete Wargent who's got enough money to be able to do what he wants to do. Liver transplant. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I really mean that, you know, because that's the philosophical yeah, bit. Totally, because yeah. you do say to yourself, oh, what do I want to do? Often, often what you find is, you actually want to do stuff that connects you to other people, even if it's your, you know, your grandkids or your, you know, your wife's club or your club or something. You become more sort of outward oriented and more amenable to helping people because you're covered, right? You, you've got to a point where you say, I don't need to, you know, try and crawl over other people to get my share of the pie. You've got your share of the pie. And so then you can start to focus on saying, well, how can I help other people do that? And that was part of the reason why I sort of thought about, you know, teaching people about stocks as I thought, okay, well, I think I know a fair bit about stocks. I think I can help people. And, you know, as we said, this is probably a good idea. Let's do that. It's like, okay, that seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah. And a place where I've seen you add real value to people is especially people in that well, a similar situation to me, really, where they're not really that inspired what they're doing in the nine to five and showing them a different model. You yeah. don't just, because we've all heard this phrase, oh, save for the future, spend less than you earn and save some for the future. So, you, <laughs> bugger that. So, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's not that it's bad advice as such, but, you know, all right, you save, save some money, put it away for the future. And then it's a case of, well, okay, now what? You know, it just yeah. sits there. But also, too, who wants to, you know, who wants to have a lifestyle change which is backwards? You know, who, who honestly, would, you know, like I have about two to three coffees a day. It costs me about, I don't know, 12 bucks or something. I don't care, right? And people say, you should have a coffee machine at home. It's like, why? I like going out. I don't mind yeah. because I don't, you know, the 12, I'm fortunate enough to not go, oh, the 12 bucks is a lot of money. That's much more amenable to saying, oh, I'll go and buy one of those pod things and, you know, I'll settle for, you know, second best. I mean, to me, that's second best. 
that's what I mean. If you're in that position where you can say, I want to live this lifestyle. Now, that's not the same as the lifestyle you want to live, but I'm happy living this lifestyle. Fine. That's where you'll get in to the philosophical zone where you'll go, oh, and that's why I go and help people do X, Y, Z. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because I look back at, you know, uh, when I lived in Bondi, we actually lived in a one-bedroom flat, and it was great. It was absolutely great at the time because it had views of the opera house and da-da-da. The idea, though, living in a one-bedroom flat now, because I've got used to the idea of living in a four-bedroom house with a pool, and it's like, well, I don't really want to go back yeah. to that. It's not that there's anything right or wrong with it, now, spending patterns can change in middle age and change in retirement. Yep. But a lot of this comes back to the nine different personality types yeah, as well. Yeah. And for me, I'd rather live a better standard of living yeah. incrementally over time. Other people might see it differently. Uh, but this is where the three wells model really comes in, about having three different buckets of money yep. and thinking about your money in three different time frames. And if you can fill up, fill up that middle bucket to actually cover those living and lifestyle costs over the next five years, then suddenly that changes your whole perspective yeah, on finance. Absolutely. And again, it takes an active, it take, you know, you have to have an active interest in managing your money. You know, and as I say, particularly for people around my age who have already retired or who later, if you suffer a big drawdown, then you know, your retirement changes real quick. A lot of that times that happens. You can be conservative and move to a, a more conservative portfolio. But, you know, as we know, bonds are paying next to nothing. So, you know, you've got to be more active and say, OK, where can I get a return? Well, you know, you can get it in buying big systemic companies, managing the asset allocation and rebalance part of it. Oh, right. OK. Oh, I don't know how to do that. You know, so if you don't, then you're at the mercy of, the financial advisor or whatever the market is doing. So again, if you take an active interest in money, what you find is that in itself can consume part of the day um, and lots of people then become quite interested in how money actually works. And part of it is, a, is as we sort of say to people, it's not that hard. And if you can manage it as, as we've developed with the three wells, then it becomes really interesting. You know, and, and dare I say it, enjoyable, you know, because first of all, you've got enough money. As you said, you've got fun covered, you've got the fitness, you've got the finance and you've got the philosophy, you know, and that, look, there might be another F out there, I'm not too sure, but, you know, you've got, you're doing pretty well if you get those four covered. Yeah, I think... Um, Family. Yeah, yeah that's, well, <laughs> that's a really good point. I think um, there was an old phrase, uh, begin with the end in mind, yeah. like Stephen Covey. And I, I think uh, there is something to be said in you know trying to design your ideal day and lifestyle, but it does change over time. Uh, you know, we did... We did some travelling for a year, 15 months, and I, you know, I really wanted to get out and do stuff. So I mentioned, um, I think, in another chat that we had about I'm currently building a tech startup. Now, one of the guys we were originally, he was a potential founder, is a bit older, and he said, look, guys, I'm, I'm really keen on creating an idea, but the idea of actually running a tech startup yes, in my yeah. 60s doesn't really appeal to me, so it's not for me. And look, maybe when I'm in my 60s, that's possibly... I'll be more interested in, Absolutely. in travel and golf yeah, yeah. and so on. Now, 
do play a fair amount of golf, admittedly, but at the moment, at the <laughs> Have moment, you seen I, your Instagram feed? <laughs> I, I still feel like I've got things to do other than uh, playing the 18th at Noosa Springs. I would like to build businesses, and you know, I enjoy doing yeah, media yeah. and podcasts and stuff like that. But obviously, later in life, that might be quite different. Yeah, the best part is doing it what you want to do, and for some people, that may, that might be work until they drop dead. Mm. Um, and as you said, it gets back to the nine personality types. You know, it, we're all different in that way about what money means to us and what it delivers. And again, the other point I wanted to mention was most people really overestimate how much they need. Mm. They really do overestimate. Yeah, that's that. what I was. I was a, a big figure uh, alluding to their changing spending patterns. Yeah, yeah. Because I know my in my dad's case, he really found that you know, once he'd actually found somewhere to live, then. You can be a lot more discerning, actually, about your, your spending. It doesn't yeah. mean you have to be tight, but it, it, you actually realise you, you might not need quite as much as you as you thought you did because when you're um, in a corporate world, you often sort of have this lifestyle expectation yeah. of a certain car, a Transport certain holiday. Transport costs, uh, holiday, um, clothing, yeah. you know, lunch money, coffee money, you know. And as you say, you know, your just your general demeanor just changes. You know, it's a it's a it's a bit of a revelation because there's very few of us who have said, "Yep, I'm I'm there in twelve months and I'm going to be playing golf and playing tennis and you know doing this and doing that." But what you get is you get more control over what you can do. And I I think I might have said to you this before. I drive a lot slower. You know, so, because I, I don't need to be anywhere. And if I do, I sort of think, oh, well, that's all right. I'll be there later. That's okay. You know, I'm not inconveniencing anybody. You just go down a cog. Um, and it's just a lot more enjoyable when you've got financial security. And it's worth putting the effort in early because most of us get to my age or older. And as I said, you know, I think we said in a few weeks or a couple of podcasts earlier was, you know, I wish I'd have known at 25 what I know now because I'd have been retired at 40 rather than, you know, 45 or 50. So Yeah, yeah. it's not a race. So actually, I need to learn from you because I picked up a heap of demerit points in 2019. <laughs> so I'm now strictly on cruise control when I come down yeah, to yeah, uh, yeah. the Redcliffe Peninsula from Noosa. Uh, so I think um, just to wrap up as well, one other thing is that statistically now, if you live to the age of 65, then your life expectancy it might be 20 years for females and not, yeah. not far short of it yep. for males. So you've potentially got 15 or 20 really good years there. Absolutely. Even beyond the traditional retirement date. So learning to actively manage your money, as you mentioned, that's one thing you can actually do to fill your time in the mornings potentially. Uh, but it, it also helps you to sustain and potentially even leave a legacy rather than um, our parents' generation model, which was often based around either a pension or an annuity. Yeah. Uh, these days, there's no reason you can't continue to grow your wealth throughout your, your lifetime. Absolutely, absolutely. Then you can die and give it all to your kids. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I'm now going to go and set my cruise control to uh, 80 clicks. And, uh, <laughs> so thanks for joining today. Today we've been talking about giving up the day job and how much is enough. Uh, next week we'll be talking about uh, why and how you should aim for a self-funded retirement. Thanks for joining. See today. you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to know more, you can download a free chapter and extra bonuses from our new book, Low Rates, High Returns. Just visit www.lowrateshighreturns.com forward slash book to download your free copy. 
the things we've discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice and we recommend you reach out to a licensed professional advisor who can help you with your unique circumstances. Stephen and I are both on LinkedIn and Twitter, so do reach out and connect with us. And finally, it'd be great if you could subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps others to find the show. Now take care and invest wisely. Cheers. Cheers.